Amen. Please have a seat. Jay, before you go, I just want to say, isn't it awesome to see Jay just stepping up more and more every time, every time she leads worship? Um, you do a beautiful job. And um, I just want to encourage you to keep being brave and keep stepping out as we see God use you. Um, just know that we are delighting in you and in him and what he does through you. Um, good morning, everyone. And thank you, Ben. Thank you so much. It's so good to be with you this morning. My name is Yvette Cherry, and occasionally I get the um, great privilege to bring the word in this place, and I love to do it. In fact, I was up here the same time last year, and um, it was the same week in the year, and I told you all that I have this thing that I do where I pick a phrase for the year. Some people pick a word for the year, and that they, they like wait on God, and God kind of gives them a word and, and they, they kind of try to step into that word for the year. But I'm a really wordy person, so I can't just choose a word. I usually choose a phrase. Now, I don't expect you to remember what it was last year, but um, does anyone? Well done. You go, girl. That was it. You go, girl. So my phrase last year was Ashet Hayel, which is Hebrew. And it translates as woman of valor, but I very loosely translated it to you go girl. And um, we know from Proverbs 31 that um, when, they, when they shouted, Eshet Hayel, it was the men um, saying to the women of their community, you go girl, we love you. And uh, so my, my, um, my phrase for the year, you go girl, it was kind of a, a, a battle cry to me to just chase after my dreams and to pursue the things on, on my heart, and to just go after it with all that I had. And you know what? I did it. I went after it with everything that I had. And I was so committed to that that I even got it tattooed on my wrist, Eshet Hayel. I thought it'd be a bit tacky to have you go, girl, as well. Um, but I put courage, because I thought I'd need courage for that. And so I really chased after the, the things that I, that I wanted to do. And you know, I got to the end of the year, and I was so tired. I was just so tired. You know, it was, it was a year, wasn't it? We all had a really big year. It was probably kind of a difficult year to be trying to smash your goals and chase down your dreams. And uh, so by the end of the year, I really just needed rest. I needed antibiotics, thanks to. And I needed a long holiday. And as I was thinking about my new phrase for 2021, I felt like God was saying, just be still, be still. And in a lovely kind of symmetry, Pastor Peter asked me, would I come back and preach again the same Sunday? Instead of uh, Proverbs, uh, he asked me to speak from Psalms. And so I thought, well, I know the Psalm that I need to speak on. Psalm 46, which famously says, be still and know that I am God. Only as I got into preparing the message, I realised that this call to be still wasn't at all about God plonking me down in a situation and a context that was utterly peaceful and completely void of stress. That's what I'd been looking for when I chose the phrase, be still, just some serenity. And, um, but instead, Psalm 46 is about natural disasters, war, and political strife, it's about finding yourself surrounded by chaos and fear, 
Psalm 46 is about as hectic as 2020 was. But it's also a psalm about tapping in to the peace that comes from being still and knowing that God is God. We're going to read the psalm in a moment, but before we do that, please let me pray. Loving God, please soften our hearts to your word. May you give us fresh fresh revelation of it. May we just see something this morning in the psalm that just compels us to go deeper with you. Amen. So if you have your Bible or your app with you, I'd love you to follow along as we read Psalm 46, God is our fortress. You ready? God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolation he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us, the God of Jacob, our fortress. So I want to spend a little time this morning unpacking these verses to see what is going on in the psalm and to look at how this idea of being still might play out in my and in your coming year. So let's analyse it a little. Firstly, the song contains three verses, and all three speak of a different kind of trouble faced by the Israelite nation and faced by us today. First up, the psalmist describes natural disasters. In verse 1, we see the earth giving way, the mountains falling into the ocean, a storm raging on the seas, and the mountains trembling as though they are alive with fear. In the second verse, he speaks of war, with nations raging and kingdoms tottering. And in the third, he speaks of military violence, men fighting with chariots, bows and spears. Psalm 46 probably doesn't actually refer to any specific incident of devastation, violence or destruction in the history of the people of God. Instead, it paints a picture of what human experience can be like. And it's a pretty bleak picture. Even so, Psalm 46 opens with the lines, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in times in trouble. Sorry, let me do that again. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. The song reveals to us God's faithfulness and his ongoing commitment to be our protector and our source of refuge and strength. 
The song tells us that in the midst of trouble and suffering, God is there with us and he can be relied upon. And as verse 10 10 tells us, all we need to do is be still and know that he is God. Just be still, God says. I am your refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It sounds really simple, but it raises all kinds of questions to me, like what do we do when we're facing terrible circumstances, yet we have no sense that God is actually there, being an ever-present help? What do we do when we look at a situation in our life or in the world and we say, I can't see God here. When's God showing up here? And how, just how, actually, does being still, like the psalmist suggests, when you can't see God helping you out, how is that actually going to help, just to be still? Well, I want to turn to the middle part of the song. Let's look at verse 4 and 5, which I've kind of just skipped over so far. And I think that these verses, as we look into them a little more deeply, give us some answers. So verse 4. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. Now these verses have been, had been puzzling theologians for years. Because this is a song about Jerusalem. It belongs to a collection of songs about the holy city, also known as the Songs of Zion. Jerusalem was the capital of ancient Israel, the place that God chose to put his temple. Throughout the Psalms, Jerusalem is referred to Zion, the place of my dwelling or the city of God. For ancient Israelites, Jerusalem was the centre of life and uh, God's work in the Old Testament. The thing that has confused theologians is that this song refers to a river whose streams make glad the city of God. But there's not actually a river in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built on a hill. And when you get rain, there's streams that flow, a bit like creeks in Western Australia, but not for long. There is, in Jerusalem, the Gihon Spring, which is a small freshwater spring that does give water to the city. And there's some caves and cisterns that fill uh, with water after rain, but there is certainly nothing that you could call a river. Jerusalem is a pretty dry city. No sparkling blue river runs through it like it does in Perth. Rivers as metaphors for life come up many times throughout the Bible. Rivers are seen as a source of life and peace. And in this case, the psalmist claims that it's the river that makes glad the city of God. So that may leave us wondering, what is he actually talking about? Is there even a river? And if their gladness relies on this supposed river, is it actually just false hope? I wonder if our lives might look and feel like that sometimes too. If God, like the river, is supposed to be the source of my life, joy and peace, yet no river seems to be obviously sparkling right through me, then is God even here? Or is the idea of a God present and active in my life just also a false hope? What I want to share with you today is that to fully experience and know God, there are some things that are hidden and have to be sought out. I want to say that again. 
to fully experience and know God, there are some things that are hidden and have to be sought out. Seek me, says the Lord, and I'll be found by you. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. If we're going to experience this metaphorical river the psalmist is talking about, we have to go deeper with God. And here's the cool thing. It turns out that the psalmist wasn't just talking in metaphors about this river. In 2011, excavators were digging in Jerusalem. And they were digging for a new railway station under the surface of central Jerusalem And they discovered what geologists say is the largest underground river ever found in Israel. The team from Israel Railway chanced upon a cave while excavating a shaft close to the city's main convention centre. They cut into the cave accidentally and the water started flowing into the shaft. Says one of the engineers working on the shaft, one canyon was over 200 metres long and we never reached its end. So there was a river in Jerusalem was deep in the earth, 750 metres down, made both by nature and also by the ancient Israelites, and it consisted of caves, springs, tunnels and huge reservoirs. The most impressive of these waterways is probably the so-called Hezekiah Tunnel, described in the book of Chronicles. In the Bible it says, Hezekiah blocked up the upper spring of Gihon and brought the water down through a tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah's tunnel was built by King Hezekiah before 701 BCE when it helped Jerusalem survive military attack by Assyria. Its tunnel is cut into the rock beneath the city of David, leading water from the Gihon to the Siloam pool. Hezekiah's tunnel follows a random and unpredictable path and that confused archaeologists for years. But recently they discovered that it actually just followed a natural waterway that already existed under the city. So the city of Jerusalem looks like a dry river. It looks like a dry riverless city. It's not until you go deeper that you tap into the water source flowing abundantly under the city, making its people glad, giving them security in times of struggle. Clearly the psalmist knew about this underground river system. Perhaps at a glance our lives can look to us as dry as the surface of the ancient city of Jerusalem. And sometimes it's a tension in the Christian faith. We become believers, but we still face struggles. We still feel anxiety and experience depression, setbacks, pain and discouragement. We still sometimes feel that God is absent or at least not obvious in our lives. But knowing what we know now about the underground river in Jerusalem, I want to go back and read those few verses again. And this time... As I read, I want you to imagine that you are the city of God. So picture this as a description of yourself. Let's read it. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy place where the most high dwells. That's you, dwelling in you. God is within her, or him. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. I want to suggest that we can see the underground streams that flow through the city of Jerusalem as a metaphor for the presence of the Holy Spirit in the lives of believers, in your life and in mine. 
In the Gospel of John, chapter 7, we read, Jesus stood up and called out in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. He was speaking about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Jesus told us that we would receive the Holy Spirit, who would be like streams of living water flowing from within us. While the psalmist didn't have the same language for the Holy Spirit that Jesus had, and Jesus was speaking about the Holy Spirit who would come at Pentecost, I think the psalmist knows that God inhabits his people. Perhaps in this teaching of Jesus, we have fresh revelation of what the psalmist knew to be true. We are like a city with secret underground streams of protected life-giving water. Jesus also said that we are like a city in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, he says. So I think the psalmist was onto something. Like the streams in the city of Jerusalem, this living water we have, it flows on the inside. And I think that shows us that like the water of Jerusalem, sometimes we have to dig a little deeper to access it. I want to suggest that there are some experiences of knowing God that can only be had when we choose to go deeper in relationship with God. To fully experience and know God, there are some things that are hidden and have to be sought out. I think the psalmist is telling us that the true source of peace in God is available when we tap into this source of life in us. Being still means to me connecting to the Holy Spirit living in me. It means pausing in the midst of my day to acknowledge that the Spirit of God flows through my life. A source of power and peace that I can access any time. And a source that like the streams inside the walls of the city of Jerusalem is protected at all times. I thought I'd finish my message and I went to bed last night. And just as I was falling asleep, I felt God say, now, there's something else I want you to say. So I'm going to tell you about something that I haven't written down at all. I, um, a couple of years ago, I was kind of going through a bit of a rough time. Physically, I had some health things going on. And um, I met up with a lady just randomly. I just wanted to meet her. I'd met her once before and she'd prayed for me. And she'd prayed for me and it felt really powerful and she'd prayed speaking in tongues. And that was not something that I had ever had experience of in my life or really cared that much for. But um, I was going through quite a, a tough kind of time emotionally and physically. Um, my dad and, and Lee both suggested that I take some time out. And uh, so they sent me off to Thailand with my sister, Kath. And we went to visit our sister, Liz, who lives in a beautiful, beautiful place. And um, our sister, Jen, couldn't come. So she was pretty jealous. So every time we sent her a photo, she would Photoshop herself in and post it on Facebook like she was there too. My favourite was us standing on the side of a mountain and then there's her in the background skydiving into the shot. Really made us laugh. Um... So before I went, I met randomly with this lady who had just come to my mind because she'd prayed for me years earlier and it felt like a really powerful prayer. 
and I'd only met her that one time. And so we, I bought her lunch and we just got chatting. And I said, I think there are some things of God that God requires me to go deep, is wanting me to go deeper in. And she said, look, I'll pray for you while you're away. And when you come back, let's have a good chat about it. And so I went on this trip and it was beautiful um, and lovely and we had a great time. And we were staying in this really amazing tropical hotel and I'd just woken up and we'd had a um, bit of an intense conversation and I went off to have a shower and in the shower I just started to cry. I think sometimes getting still means that the things catch up with you maybe. So I started to cry and then before I knew it, it went from little crying to massive sobbing and I was embarrassed because it was a small thing and I didn't want the team so I grabbed a towel and I kind of tried to muffle the crying but it made it worse and then I was just howling like I'm sure the whole, whole resort could hear me like a weird animal kind of sound that I'd not really cried before and then um, I went from crying to just not being able to breathe and I was sucking in deep air and you know I felt like I was dying and I managed to call Liz Liz, and she came in, and my other sister came in, they turned off the water, they wrapped towels around me, and while one cared for that, the other said, okay, breathe in, breathe out, breathe in, breathe out, and they just helped me to breathe, and then I was exhausted, I'd had a panic attack, um, you know, and I, I thought I was going to die, and I think for those of you, I don't really, haven't really had one of those before, but Others tell me that you feel just exhausted after that, like you're just sapped of all of your energy. So for the rest of the day, I just sat in the pool. I just like stared at nothing, got really sunburnt. <laughs> but before I went out to the pool, I went out to the lounge room because I wanted them to know that I was actually okay. And I sat on the couch and as I was just sitting still, I thought, I have just no energy left to pray. I think that would probably be the right thing to do right now, to ask God for help, but there was just, I was depleted. But as I tried to pray out of my mouth, came a language that I didn't speak. And it was, I was kind of a little bit embarrassed, to be honest, because my sister was right there, so I kept it, like, really low. But it was as though um, the Spirit of God had just said, I've got this. I will take over here. You don't have to try. And, um, and, and I, I began just saying this phrase over and over that, like, I'm not sure what it meant, but it just brought me such a sense of peace. When I came home, I, I Googled speaking in tongues. You know, I, I learned a little bit more about it, and now that's kind of my go-to. If, um, if I feel stressed or if I am ministering, ministering to someone else who's in stress and I don't know how to pray, um, that's just a language that, that I've acquired. But it seemed to me that it was something deep in me, like a reservoir that, that God helped me tap into in times of stress, you know, and in a time of great need and also in a time of stillness. So I don't know if that's helpful for you, but I think that... You know, Psalm 46 is about, it's about trouble and struggle and strife, but it's about being still in the midst of that. And I think the point of being still 
is because then we have the opportunity to tap into the deeper things of God. God wants to draw us deeper. And sometimes it's like it requires work, but the work is stillness, which is kind of feels contradictory. So be still for me, my word for the year. It's, it's not about necessarily sitting around in my pyjamas as much as I can or saying no to everything. It's about taking the moments to, be, to stop in the midst of busyness because busyness in itself is not really a bad thing. But be, being busy without taking the time to be still before God, that leads people to insecurity and anxiety. So my phrase, be still, it's not me opting out of life, but a commitment to draw near to God in prayer and stillness, to carve out moments where I stand before God and be still, acknowledging that he is within me and that he will not let me fall. The Holy Spirit wants to draw you deeper into relationship in a close and connected way. God wants you to tap into that source of peace in your own life. The psalmist tells us that we can do this even in the midst of difficult times, even when we are under threat. The message version of Psalm 46.10, I like it, it says, step out of the traffic, take a long loving look at me, your high God. The Christian life offers a depth of peace and an inner stillness that we all have access to. But it requires something on our part, that we remember God in times of trouble, that we remember him and we stop and we say, you are my refuge and my strength, my ever-present help in trouble. You are in me and I will not fall. As we draw near to God, he draws near to us. I love you to stand as we pray. Loving Lord, I pray that you will help us to be still this year. Last year was really hard and it doesn't look like this year is going to be any easier if the last seven days are anything to go by. But I pray that in the midst of whatever goes on, that we tap into the deeper things of you, that we get still with you, even if it's our hands in the kitchen sink or a moment in the steering wheel in the driveway when everyone got out of the car. I pray that we find the moments to be still. And more than those moments in our day, just help us to get alone with you in our secret places, in our garden, to to carve out time alone so that we can go deeper with you in your word and in prayer and in all the experiences that you might have for us. May this be a year, God, that we go deeper with you. Help us, Lord, this year to be still and to know that you are God. Amen.